Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. Looking back at Everton's 1-1 Premier League draw with Tottenham at Goodison on Sunday, a game that was overshadowed by the serious injury suffered by Andre Gomez to them, joined by Paul Wheelock and Adam Jones. Lads, how are we? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah? Yeah. I've, I've lost my voice from the uh, the lower Gladys last night. <laughs> yeah. Don't blame you. No? <laughs> Just screeching at Martin Atkinson. <laughs> you deserved it. You deserved it. It was, my, it was my first game sitting in the lower Gladys since Wofford, the 2-2 last year, and it was like full-on, can't remember going that mad at a ref. He was he was he was dreadful, wasn't he? He was absolutely appalling. Mm. Yeah, even before all the VAR stuff in the second half, uh, fans were already getting on his back. So. We will obviously cover the the, the shambles that was uh, VAR a little bit later on. But Adam, I'll start with you. And there is only one place to start, and you know I think Cenk Tosin summed it up in his Instagram post. You know when he said you'd have took losing for for the injury to to Andre not not to happen now. How devastating is an injury like that for, for Gomez? Oh, well, it's a devastating injury for any player, really, isn't it? You just you never want to see that kind of thing happen on a football pitch. And I think, you know, Holgate summed it up when he came into the mix zone after the game and he said it felt like a loss uh, for the players because the only thing that they were thinking about was Andre Gomez. You know, the only thing the fans walking home from Goodison would have been thinking about was the condition of Andre Gomez because... You know, it just seemed such an innocuous sort of thing in in the first place, and you know, Son picking up a red card for it has caused a bit of controversy. I I think it's completely legitimate that he he's picked up a red card for that. You know, he's not gone for the ball, and he's ended up seriously injuring uh, Andre Gomez in doing so. So I think it's an absolutely well deserved red card, and I think it's just we've just had the update uh, not long ago that Andre Gomez has underwent very successful surgery uh, Everton have confirmed the procedure went very well and he's expected to make a full recovery uh, which is you know can only be considered positive news uh, we've got no sort of time frame on his return yet he's just going to be recovering in hospital uh, for the foreseeable future and then you know over time he'll return to Finch Farm but yeah it's just good to hear that he's had successful surgery and it is just a horrible injury to to see happen to any any player really. Would you agree with with Adam Paul that it was a it was a deserved red card for for Son in 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 the challenge on on Gomez? I would, yeah. I was uh, probably similar to Adam. I was in the, the stands, but in the main stand yesterday, I wasn't in the press box, and we were further along towards the park end. And a few minutes earlier, it's it's all about the context for me because when you see it in the TV pictures it's probably not a red card foul, you know, a red card offence. But you have to see it from the angle we saw it from. And I think a few minutes earlier, it, it basically upset that it, 
appeared that he'd been hit or knocked in the face by Gomez. And as soon as Gomez set off with the ball, you could see the intent was to go after him. And like you know, everyone has been in this position where maybe you've had, you've took a foul and you see the fellow who's fouled you. You go after him and try and get the ball back after him. And I don't think Son would never in a million years have wanted the outcome to happen what happened but I think he didn't intend to play the ball I think he tried to not, not do it that's, that's I think, that's I, think it, I, th- I think it was just a cynical sort yeah, of foul, cynical like, foul, we, 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 foul. We, see, we see it so often yeah. in the Premier League that you you know a player will just try and you know take a yellow card commit a cynical foul because Gomez was making a dangerous run down yeah. that left flank and you know as you say some absolutely won't have meant to cause no. Uh, the kind of injury that has been caused, and you know his reaction to it, so, so sums it up. But it, it it doesn't it doesn't detract from the severity of what he has done for me. Because that's it. Without that challenge, even though what happened after it, you know, the other collision and the fall was what caused it. But without him making that foul, there is no terrible injury for Andre Gomez. So I actually understand why he was sent off. People will say, well, they're not the rules. Well, they should be the rules for me. Yeah. Because if, I think I said on a tweet last night, mate, I mean, you t- spoke about it. Like, if you cynically bring someone down, why should you stay on the pitch? Yeah. And I know when some people responded to me saying, well, what about a shirt pull and stuff like that? And that's fair enough because, you know, you could open up a can of worms and everyone's getting red cards left, right and centre. But the amount of times I've been at the Everton game or any football game and a player's bursting through the middle and someone pulls the shirt. And to me, that, that could be a red card in a way. And But to bring it back to, to the point, no, I, I don't think Son could have any complaints really. You know, and the, the guy's has ended up with a potentially career-threatening injury which given the news that we've just heard now the fact that the surgery has been successful hopefully that certainly won't be the case but yeah I, I didn't have much sympathy for Son to be honest I think it was just a shock to everyone in the ground really wasn't it it was yeah. such such a weird atmosphere to be in the ground like I was in the ground when James McCarthy uh, suffered his double leg break and you know it was a very similar sort of Hush descended over Goodison Park because you just instantly know when you see yeah. a player react like that that it, it's it, it's a dreadful injury. You know, there was hush among the stands. Like the, the players from both sides were absolutely distraught, and you, you've got to say fair play to both sides for you know carrying on with the match after that because you know it, it could so easily affect uh, a player's sort of psyche whenever whenever they see uh, a, an injury like that. And you know, fair play to Everton to fighting back and you know they did that for Gomez really at the end of the day and Seamus Coleman went into the, the Spurs dressing room after for someone who'd suffered a, a similar injury that's a suggest that, that you, you've come to expect from Seamus really isn't it well yeah he's, he is you know he's the club captain at the end of the day and he wants to present himself in the best possible way because at the end of the day that presents Everton in the best possible way as well and yeah as you say he has gone through uh, a similarly horrific injury himself not so long ago so he's he's experienced that you know I'm sure he'll use his sort of experience to try and guide Gomez through the coming weeks months uh, to try and get him back to full fitness and uh, you know it was it was nice to see him in my opinion go into the Spurs dressing room after at the end of that game because you know it, 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 as you say it, it doesn't just affect the Everton players at the end of the day it will affect the Spurs players as well and you know, Gomez's injury was the, the the big talking point, unfortunately, after the game. But VAR, <laughs> you know, showed itself again. I think to be 
almost shambolic in, in the way it's it's being applied and, and once more again Everton did generally seem to get uh, you know not not the not the way you'd want it to, to kind of go there's, there's a few decisions uh, that we've seen on the on the television replays after Paul for you the Deli Alley handball and the Richarlison one with Davinson Sanchez are they are they both penalties? I'd agree, and like I'd, in a way, I could see that Son's could have been a penalty in some respects as well. I just it's the first time I've ever experienced the the VAR effect in full force at, at a football game, and it, 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 you think it's bad at home. I remember watching was it Man City Tottenham earlier this season, mm. and thinking, God, you feel sorry for City fans there, but it's not until and you'll have you'll have obviously done it, Adam, seen incidents at games, away games this season, but it's not actually until you're experiencing the, the live football match that you realise just how terrible it is. Because yeah. the, the Richarlison one, you could tell there was going to be a claim because it looked like it could be the Son one similar. But the handball one, in, again, in the main stand, none of us had a clue what was going on until yeah. it came up on the screen. And I don't think it came up on the screen immediately. Yeah. And then when it did, it just seemed to take an absolute age. And it was just like... If we didn't have VAR, that would never the game would have continued, and I think it kind of it ruins the flow of it more yeah. than anything else because at times there was flow to that game. It wasn't a great game of football, but it just seemed to it just seemed to take a lot of the sting out of it, and it was just I just and it's not like you go to football for like an experience, like you might go to a, a concert or like a show or something like that. But there is there is that kind of like entertainment part of football, and to me, it just. It killed it flat, Dad. It was my first proper experience of it, and I, I just hated it, to be honest. Adam, the, the same question to you then, but was you kind of baffled by how these decisions weren't, weren't penalties? Um, I th I, yeah. Uh, if, you, if you're just looking purely at the decisions, I don't know how, especially the Deli Alley one, I, don't, I just don't understand how they've decided that's not a penalty. I think the Premier League have said uh, that Mina was he was under pressure from Yeri Mina, so uh, the VAR deemed that it wasn't a clear and obvious error. But I, I just don't understand the, the sort of logic behind that. Are you never going to give a penalty when you know somebody handles it from a corner then? Yeah. Because somebody, a defender's always under pressure from an attacker in those sort of circumstances. Can you just jump with your arms in the air and just be like, oh, well, I was under pressure, yeah. so I'm not going to concede the penalty here? But I think I think it just goes beyond the kind of decisions themselves, regardless of whether you'd agree with the decisions or not. The implementation of VAR is an absolute farce in, in in its current form. I just I just don't think the Premier League have thought it through enough. I think they've brought in these replays and they thought, oh well, now that we've got the replays, everything will be fine. But the lack of communication to match-going supporters is, I, I think you describe it perfectly. It, it's a shambolic. Because you know you've got supporters sitting there. I think for that Delhi Alley handball, it was over three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. supporters were just sitting there and they were looking at a thing on a screen that was just saying VAR check. Now for the Brighton game, they showed the replay of the incident on yeah. the screen, so fans could at least see what was you know yeah. what was under contention. Those supporters in the ground couldn't see any sort of replay on on what the VAR was discussing. There wasn't any sort of communication from the referee. Maybe we should be making up the referee. Why didn't the referee go over to the screen on the side yeah. to have a look? Yeah. There's just so many sort of inconsistencies, even with that Son and Mina one. You know, if you're going to give that one uh, that Michael Keane gave away against Brighton, that's it's a very it's, it's a similar, it's a very similar yeah. sort of situation, isn't it? So like, you know, the contact was there; it was accidental, but it was there. So why isn't that a penalty when you compare it to that one? They checked that one twice for some reason, and it's just. 
it's just absolutely shambolic. I, I, I just don't see how they can possibly continue continue with this in the Premier League in its current form because it, they, they need to change something drastic because otherwise it's these match-going supporters, you know, they've paid however much for their tickets to, you know, some a lot of people taking their families to these sorts of games and you, they're coming out of it just thinking, what have I just watched there? I've, I've watched the football match being played in front of my eyes, but it's getting dictated by some fella watching a TV screen 200 miles away in Stockley Park. I think, I think that's the point as well, isn't it, Paul, that as Adam says there, we, we have a referee and then you have the you know the, the VAR official, but then they seem to be making... The VAR official now seems to be kind of making decisions on subjective kind of thing. Mm. You know, like, yeah. if you're offside, VAR can definitively say whether it's one centimetre or two yards, you're offside or you're not offside. And I always feel like, OK, you know, some of the goals we've seen already with VAR you are like that that is so unlucky millimetres and you know the the ball on the goal line we've had a couple of close encounters with them but you know for for, for some people the Delhi Alley one would have been a penalty and for others it wouldn't and you know they're not going to get a kind of uh, draw a line under any of these decisions are they? No absolutely right it's almost like you put in one mistake in one person's hand into into someone else's like we might as well go back to what we had where a referee will get some right and will get some wrong yeah. in the same way that a player will get some decisions right and get some decisions wrong it's just and you were spot on as well mate it, it's ludicrous I, I don't know about you Sam yesterday in the Goddesses I say I was in the main stand and I wasn't excited by the like VAR appeal yeah. for the penalty because mainly I didn't know what was going on I didn't realise it was a handball but it's not like you know in rugby league where you're waiting for the try decision try or no try and it's like building up I was just frustrated yesterday and it just feels like if you if you either let the referee have the power whereby as Adam says go to a screen like it did in the World Cup because then at least you can see something's happening or we must be reviewing this and then you get it on the why don't you just open it all up to the supporters and put it all on the big screen and let's see how they make their decisions in the same way that rugby union refs particularly don't they you can hear them the mic's up I just think it might actually give an insight into the pressure that they're going through as referees as well because at the moment it just seems like complete shambles that's the best word for it it was just it's just a shambles from top to bottom I mean in those sorts of situations sometimes you you feel for the on-field referee sometimes because you know like I find it hard to feel for Martin Atkinson after <laughs> yeah. some of the decisions yeah. he made by himself yesterday <laughs> but like in those sorts of like penalty VAR situations he's just like the rest of us he's just stood there in the middle of the pitch going oh well the, the, the fella in Stockley Park you know having, having a look at this and for some reason there must be some sort of guideline that he can't go and use that screen on the on the side of the pitch for himself so he's he's just stood there like the rest of us so it's, it's it's just a bizarre bizarre situation, and I think yesterday more than it more than any other occasion so far in the Premier League proved that this desperately needs to change. As, as you touched on there as well, Adam, it's been a long time since I can remember. You know, obviously the the supporters stayed after the game. I think to you know deservedly in the end clap clap the team off for as you said, you know, responding to the to the shock of of Gomez's injury and, and getting that equaliser, but. You know, people, it's, it seemed like stayed in the droves just to boo Martin Atkinson <laughs> off the pitch. It was a it was a woeful performance from the referee, wasn't it? I mean, there were a couple of really weird decisions at the end of the first half, and they're the ones that stick in my head most about Atkinson. There was one where he booked Theo Walcott 
for like to turn on the ball. Well, having a look at the replay, yeah. he just quite quite clearly just wins the ball off Ben Davis. Yeah. I don't know whether Martin Atkinson thought he had excessive force and going for the ball or something, but he booked him. And then VAR quite laughably <laughs> looked at that one for a red card, and obviously that was turned down. And then uh, there was a similar incident with Tom Davis. I can't remember who he who he was challenging, but. He went in for a, you know, a fairly innocuous sort of challenge on the byline, like right in front of the fourth official, and uh, that was given as a foul against him. And he was like quite clearly very angry with the fourth official until Mauricio Pochettino led him away. And, you know, it was those sorts of decisions where you know, it, 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 it was almost a bit disappointing for Everton that they came so late in the first half because that really got the crowd riled up. Mm-hmm. There, you know, it was, it was those sorts of decisions where you know. When Goodison Park feels like the referees against them, where everything's against them, that's when almost we see Goodison's best atmosphere, and we started to see, you know, the start of that. I think until you know the, the half-time whistle unfortunately went, and you know the booze at half-time were absolutely aimed at Martin Atkinson rather yeah. than anything else. Uh, and then you know we've discussed everything that happened in the second half as well, and it was just like just pity little decisions. I think Richarlison went down. A good, a good number of times, and you know, I've seen a lot of people uh, having a go almost at the Brazilian for how much he was hitting the floor, and you know, in some in some respects, yes, he did hit the floor uh, a bit a bit too readily, I think. But there were numerous times where I thought he was legitimately fouled. One occasion inside the box, which should have given him a penalty, mm-hmm. and uh, he was he was kind of penalised almost for going down to the ground a little bit too early, and I just don't think that should be the case at all you, you know you look at each sort of decision subjectively which, whichever player is involved in it so yeah I think Atkinson probably has a few decisions that he maybe need, needs to answer for because you know the Everton fans definitely were leaving Goodison Park they're feeling quite rightly aggrieved and overall then you know with, with these kind of those big talking points out the way, but what, what did you think of Everton's performance on, on the whole? I, th- I thought it was decent. I thought it was decent. Not great, nowhere near great. Decent enough because it's kind of like ba- it's like a bit of a balancing act because on one hand, Tottenham haven't won away after since January March, and March. they didn't have Harry Kane. How many mm. goals he scored against Everton in, in recent years and he's without question their number one player. And not only away form, just form generally this season they are, they are a poor team in in that respect so you think god that's that's two points dropped but at the same time i looked at Tottenham's lineup and thought that's still a really strong team and yeah. i thought while they weren't very good yesterday they were still physically strong you know they had two power, two or three powerful midfielders good in defence and, and you kind of you can't forget that but there were times where i thought we we could and should have done more particularly the opening kind of 30 minutes i thought we were very very kind of on the back foot thought we could have pushed the initiative a bit more but at the same time maybe Marco Silva was looking back to what happened last season when we did go for Tottenham we got absolutely annihilated so I can understand that and you know part of you at the end when they went down to 10 men and we get the equaliser you think come on push forward go for this could we have done a bit more but I think you have to put that into the context of what the players have just witnessed on both sides with Andre Gomez so you've got to cut him a lot of slack there when you look at it since West Ham we've beat West Ham which everyone's happy with and it was a great performance beat Watford which was the absolute requirement and then you take a point against Tottenham it's almost like that defeat at Brighton has made yesterday 
poorer results, if you know what I mean. If we yeah. would have won or drawn against Brighton, yeah. automatically you don't look at it and think, well, you know, that that's a bad result. Because I don't think it is a bad result to draw at home to Spurs, but you look at the table and we really needed the three points yesterday. Mm. In terms of kind of in individual performances, Adam, I think you, you've wrote about it a couple of times in the last few weeks, but Gibral Sidibe and, and Seamus Coleman obviously fighting for that right-back slot and, and Sidibe got the nod uh, for Tottenham. What did you make of his performance? I thought he was solid, yes, again. I yeah. think it's... It, I think against Brighton, especially in the closing stages of that game, it was quite clear that he was, you know, struggling a little bit with the pace of it. And, you know, you can understand that really. You know, he's only just really come over to English football and, you know, the physical sort of requirements of playing in the Premier League is just so different than everywhere else yeah. uh, across Europe. So uh, I think it was the, the absolute right decision to rest him against Watford. And I think we saw the benefits of that again uh, yesterday, you know, for 100 and 203 minutes was it in the end he was bombing up and down that right flank you know he was popping up popping up in centre mid in, <laughs> in some stages which uh, I think he was getting caught out of position a little bit too much for my liking uh, I don't think his quality in the final third was as good as it was against West Ham but I think that is indicative of the whole Everton team to be honest so yeah he was I think he was one of the one of the highlights I think alongside Yeni Mina and Mason Holgate. I think Holgate's only little mistake was for getting caught square for Ali's goal, but you know, he's a young centre back. He's he's gonna make those sorts of mistakes and, you know, especially against somebody with the quality of Deli Ali. You know, Deli Ali's gonna do that against a lot of defenders in the Premier League this season. So I don't think I don't think Mason should be looking at his performance in any sort of negative light at all. Uh, but for me I think Tom Davis was was the standout I think some of his passing range especially was absolutely incredible I think he was uh, played in a, that little bit more advanced role uh, alongside Gomez uh, from the start and I think that absolutely benefited him no end he just had so much freedom so much space always looking for the ball always one touch get get that pass out you know just as he was doing against West Ham and uh, one pass in particular you know that pass to Walcott in the second half where he's just sliced it right through the middle of four uh, Tottenham defenders I think Walcott should really do a lot better with that opportunity I think Davis put him on put it on a plate for him and I think Davis will be a little bit disappointed that he was one of the men sacrificed uh, late on when we were going for the game but again I don't, I don't think he should be looking at his performance in any sort of bad light at all uh, in terms of a full team I think it was just two teams out of form just playing yeah. just playing against each other to be honest uh, from the first 20 odd minutes you could probably have guessed that it was going to be a draw yeah. both teams looking solid in defence both teams just struggling to create opportunities and you know we said in the preview pod before the Spurs game that it would, those first 15-20 minutes were going to be really interesting if Everton really took the game to Spurs you know made them doubt themselves then it could have been a really different game and Everton just didn't really do that. Maybe it was because of what Paul said, what happened in last season's game, you know, where Spurs just kept picking us off on the counter-attack. Maybe that was the case. Maybe it was just Everton settling into a new experimental sort of 4-1-4-1 formation. You know, maybe that was the case, but it's hard to come out of that not feeling just a little bit disappointed because we know that these players can put in better performances than that. Yeah. So it's hard to come not to come out of that with out some sort of disappointment but you know as Paul says at the end of the day Spurs have got some quality players they were unlucky not to come away with the result at Anfield last week mm, yeah. so to, you know to put that into perspective it's, it's still a decent point but 
you know, you, you do have to say it's still disappointing that Everton didn't get all three. Adam's point about about Tom Davis, Paul, it's it's been interesting really, isn't it? Because when when we started the season and obviously we had JP Gabamon signing and unfortunately he's injured as well and, and now Gomez injured, but it's definitely now gonna be a, a, a massive opportunity for, for, for Tom and, and Morgan Schneiderlin as well now to, to really kinda show what we've been missing and haven't really, isn't it? And I know Tom's played the last couple of matches, but was you as equally impressed by him and do you think now this is his real chance now up until the January transfer market opening whatever might reassess their options in midfield to show why the club had so much faith to, to hand him a new long term deal in the summer? Most definitely. Yeah, it's it's football is a cruel but funny game where sometimes your breaks come because of someone else's unfortunate uh, you know, unfortunate circumstances and, and now you look at Tom Davis given his form, he's probably with Delph the two meant for me to be playing in midfield week in week out if he can continue the way he, he's playing you know he set such high standards for himself with that goal against City and that performance is in the second half of the season under Koeman and I, I lost a little faith in him I'm, I'll be completely honest because what I always liked about him he never hid he always wanted the ball and he always wanted to play it forward but sometimes his range let him down or sorry it's like his radar almost kind of thing I think he gave the ball away too often and I don't think even though they were ambitious passes I think some one of his quality could still do it yeah what i've seen in recent weeks is a player who's still got that confidence and is now executing those passes like completely right the the ball through to walcott was absolutely brilliant and, and he should have done better but i thought against west ham that was the one that really struck me everything he did was positive but every, i'd love to see like his passing stats for that but certainly in the first half it didn't feel like he wasted one at all and if he's got his confidence maybe that time out of the sides helped him kind of recover because he had that, that's what happens I know it's a bit of a cliche but it does happen with young players you do have ups and downs uh, but I've been so impressed with him and I know you gave him man the match yesterday Adam, and I thought that was completely right too because I thought he had another really solid game and yeah it's, it, it's a horrible situation what's happened with Gomez but maybe one positive out of it is that it might give Tom a, a good run in the team and Adam after, after that draw you know we've got uh, Southampton at the weekend and, and then Norwich will, will come to Goodison where, where where do you think kind of Ev Everton are at now and in terms of you know there's there's obviously been a lot of speculation uh, around Marco Silva is this these are two must win games aren't they two very important games I think it's you know you can't you can't deny that and, and especially you know with an international break in the middle of it as well and with Everton you know still unfortunately being so close to the relegation zone you know you've got to You've got to think that these two games are massively important, but it, 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 I think I think Marco Silva just needs to now find out what what his best formation is, what his best group of players is, because we still don't know. Like there's uh, there's so many questions still all over the pitch. I think in defence, I think now we we've, we've probably struck on what is our best defence. I'd say Sidibe Mina Holgate Dean is a solid enough defence to be able to take us through. Uh, the majority of the rest of the season, if they keep their form uh, where it's currently at, and yeah. hope, hopefully, you know, the likes of Holgate progresses, City B progresses as well. Uh, in midfield, obviously, you know, the, with the horrible injury to Gomez, there's questions to be asked now. Like, do do you keep now playing three central midfielders? Uh, do you switch back to two central midfielders? Do you try and find a different sort of solution? You know. Uh, does, is Sigurdsson a straight swap for Gomez like in the system we were playing yesterday you know there's still so many questions around that and then 
up front as well. You know, for a start, who do you play on the wings? And especially with fingers crossed, Bernard coming back in a few weeks' time. Uh, and then who do you play up front? You know, Cenk Tosin, for, for all of his doubters that he's had last uh, for the last eighteen months or so. He came on yesterday and he bagged the goal. He had one chance and scored it. Yeah, exactly. There's not much more that you can ask from him. And yeah. I think that was probably the first time that we played to Cenk Tosin's strengths yeah. since well, since the start of this season, definitely, and you know, probably even further into last season as well. You know, his last goal came against Spurs, funnily enough, didn't it? In the last yeah. game of last season. Yeah. And uh, you know, fair play to him for capitalising on, you know, his only chance of the game. And I think he it was a really he did really well to anticipate the flight of the ball so quickly and to get himself in front of, you know, not just Davinson Sanchez, but Calvert-Lewin, who was running in on it as well. So I think it was a really good goal. So, you know, do, do you give him a chance from the start now? Do you persist with Richarlison? You know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I think he needs a run in the team. Moise Keane, you know, he's still sat on the bench. He needs a run in the team. You know, there's so many questions that Marco Silva still needs to answer over these, you know, next couple of really important games. You know, it's just... You know, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes, to be honest. He's a he's a strange one, Tosin, isn't he? Because at the same time, he's been kind of omitted from from some squads this season. He's also seemingly the man who, whenever need a goal, Marco Silva has turned. I remember Millwall. I think he came on in that game mm-hmm. and scored. Lincoln in the League Cup, Palace. kind of done the header back across. Palace last season. Palace last season, he came on, scored, and and yesterday as well. You know, he was the first substitution ahead of Calvert Lewin and Calvert-Lewin. So, you know. Are you a? Are you? A, he also splits opinion seemingly between Everton fans. Are you, would you be in the in the boat after that goal yesterday of of, of giving them an opportunity at, at some point? Why not? In a way, why not? But again, it's, it comes back to what Adam was saying. We, we need to we're crying out for a settled side, but none of the strikers have ever nailed down that position, and, and no one ever has since Lukaku and Tosin. And I don't know. I'm, I'm still unconvinced whether he is the man to lead Everton line. But what he has got is is kind of like a, a goal scoring now, hasn't he? He does seem to get himself into positions. You see, every time he goes away with his, his country on for international duty for for Turkey, he can score goals, but it just I think a lot he has his limitations we we all know that so maybe he can't play on those maybe play to his strengths and as you both said then put balls into the box for him play we, we know what he is if you're going to play him I think you've got to play to his strengths and I don't think we do that often enough for him to start often enough but the one thing I would say about Silver at the moment is maybe a cynic could turn around could turn around and say he's scratching around for ideas but he is changing things you know it's yeah. not going yeah, well yeah. he's brought Holgate in he changed the system yesterday he's brought Walcott back and I think Walcott's done pretty well He, he he's not resting on his laurels like it felt after the Burnley game where it was just like God, it's the same system again it's the same plays again since then he has tried to change things and yeah it's it, these next two games are massive for him and coming out of the ground yesterday people were still quite undecided about what's going to happen next and one thing I'd have to say to him I think he's an unlucky manager <laughs> more than anything else because yeah. yeah. everything that could have gone wrong this season has gone wrong you yeah. know injuries VARs things like that and it's I still think the players are fighting for him because yeah, I, I think they're still fighting for him because yesterday spot on team two teams lack of confidence loss of foot, lack of form and you could tell that but don't think they ever gave up and I don't think they gave up against uh, against in, in the, the other recent games Brighton it's yeah it, it, there's questions to be asked there how you could let, let a lead slip but it's massive I just think if, if we if we were to lose at Southampton I know this will be discussed by you guys later in the week I just I'm beginning to think 
that's going to be tough for him to come back from yeah. from the majority of the fans even though there is definitely nothing in the stands where it was like Allardyce where it was open descent it's just you can't help but look at that league table and look at the teams we've played and think how is it going to change in December because of who we've got to play spooky thought anyway we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hold that one for the rest of the week the, the final part today Adam just a, a quick one wasn't just football on Saturday for you uh, on Sunday you were also at the Academy on Liverpool Academy on Saturday to watch mm-hmm. Everton under 23s in the mini derby and they, they felt it was a feat but did a few players catch your eye in, in the game? Uh, yeah Dennis Denneran was a uh, was the highlight Big Dennis. Of, was the highlight of the game for me you know I think anybody who usually watches the under 23s would be used to seeing him as a centre mid yeah and I think he does really well as a centre mid I think I uh, picked him out against uh, Burton Albion in the uh, what's that competition e- called these days oh. is it leasing leasing.com trophy yeah the leasing.com trophy yeah, I've spotted him in that game, and it, you know it was very obvious that he'd been training with the first team in that game. You know his speed of thought, especially, was just so good. You know he seemed a yard ahead of even you know League One opponents. You know he was take, taking it round them with ease. You know he was, he was quick, he was powerful, vibrant. Uh, but instead of playing in centre mid, he was playing on a, the right right flank uh, against Liverpool, and I think he was absolutely fantastic. You know he was so direct. I think. Once he knew he had the beating of uh, their left back Norris, he he absolutely caused him all sorts of problems. Picked up the goal, which was a really really good goal. Picked up a quick free kick from Morgan Feeney. Uh, took it round Norris. It, not really any sort of skill. It was just knock it round him and used his pace and power to get round Norris. And it was a really good finish inside inside the far post and into the back of the net. Uh, so he was absolutely the highlight of the game, but. Everton, apart from that, didn't really create many other yeah. sorts of chances. I think you know you look into the likes of Ellis Sims uh, to try and create something. He got took off at half time because he was quite clearly struggling. Uh, Anthony Gordon then went up front in the second half and he kind of struggled a little bit. Harry Charlesley came on at half time and he you know he was trying his best to create something, but you know things just didn't come off for him as well. And I think that was kind of the story of the game for Everton really just things weren't really coming off in the final third and then at the end of the game it was a really good strike to be fair from Herbie Kane Kayla from outside the box uh, which looped over Harry Tyra which gave them the win but uh, yeah I think Everton would be a little bit disappointed I don't think they deserve to uh, lose that game I think if we did come out of that with a draw it would have been a much more fair result and Unzi was definitely disappointed with uh, his sides losing that game he Know, kind of highlighted that they should have been creating more chances, uh, should have scored more goals. But you know they'll be able to bounce back from that. You know it, it's not as if it's not as if they've got battered or anything. You know it's still a decent performance. They'll be able to bounce back from that, and there's got no doubt that they'll still have a really really strong season because they've got some really good players. Tyler Onyango as well coming into the side, sixteen, sixteen year, years old, and he just looks so powerful. It, it, it's he's he's instantly up to speed with the with the pace of an under 23s game which you know the gap from under 18s football to under 23s football is quite sizable and you often see players struggling initially with that sort of jump but yeah. Tyler just seems to have talked to it like a duck to water so it, I'm really intrigued to see how he does over the next few weeks uh, but yeah it, it was an unfortunate game for them uh, but they'll bounce back 
Well, Adam, Paul, thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back later in the week, as mentioned, to preview the trip to Southampton and hoping for an Everton win. You can rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Acast and also join our Facebook group at Royal Blue Podcast. Thank you very much for listening or watching. Have a good week. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.